you for your presence. Thank the Lord for his presence right now. I just say thank you for your presence. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. Thank you, Alex and Ashley. Y'all did great. You know, I was, Casey was reading this letter that the Lord wrote to her. And he said, the Lord said, I sent my boy. And that just jacked me up. Because I've got three kids and I can't imagine asking Josiah to say, we, I need you to go die for these people. Or any of my daughters, I can't imagine asking them to do that. But God's so confident in his resurrection power. That he knew he's going to raise the son up. And that the enemy wasn't going to have the last say. God works all things for the good. He's very confident in his power and his love and his ability to make dead things alive. So I just amazed at the Lord. I asked his son to do that. Um, a couple of things before us start preaching. Um, Bryce, I had a word for you, man. I was talking with you earlier, and as I was talking with you, I just, I just sensed a lot of uh, the strength of the Lord. And, and that's, the strength of the Lord doesn't come from you having more zeal, fleshly zeal or anything like that. It just comes from a, a heart of surrender. And, uh, but I feel like some of the things I saw on you, I, I felt like there was civic authority on you. And so at some point in your life, I believe you, you're going to be maybe working in a government sector. It's, it's somehow working on, I don't even know what your plans are or whatnot, but and you may not know. I didn't know I was going to be a preacher you know, when I was a sophomore in college, you know, so who knows how he works things out, but there's a civic authority on you and, and you're a strategist and you're a problem solver. And you also, there's a, you, you're a standard bearer of righteousness. And so that's the thing, that's the strength that I was sensing on you is that there's a standard that you live by. And this, the Bible talks about, it says, do not be tossed here and there by every wave of doctrine, deceitful scheming, uh, cunning of man, and all the other, the, it's just, it's, it's a, that's the confusion, that's the here and there. That's currently just very rampant in the world. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of, you know, what side, what side, what side. And, and Jesus is like, there's a Isaiah 35 highway of holiness, and it says it's level and flat. Why is it level and flat? Because it's, it's steadfast and it's steady and it's not tossed here and there. And so there's a steadiness about you, which is, which draws strength through so you're like a rock for people to lean on and so you you offer that stand because you live by a standard you have a standard you know what you're going to live by and it's and it's by the word this is the this is the plumb line of all plumb lines right here and this is what will not be shaken the kingdom of god cannot be shaken everything else will be shaken but the kingdom of god will not be shaken so that's why even as we were singing, as Jesse was ministering, I had this song in my heart that says, we will, not, we will build upon the rock. We will build upon the rock. We will build upon the rock. Because the rock's not going to move. It doesn't matter whatever the sea around it's doing, that rock of Gibraltar is not going to move. It's going to look the same today and tomorrow. And it's going it's to look the same for three, for 6,000 years, ever since God spoke the earth into existence, up until now, however long that is. So, Bryce, just bless you with that, man. Um, 
Let's pray for Bryce. Philip, need to pray for him. All right, extend your hands to him. Father, we just ask that you bless Bryce, Father, that you, the standard of righteousness, God, that's from the Holy Spirit, that you just strengthen Bryce in his inner man through your spirit, that Christ may dwell in his heart through faith, and that he, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend together with all the saints what is the height, width, breadth, and depth, to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that he may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to you, Father, is able to do far more abundantly than he could ever ask or think. To you be glory in the church and through Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So we, um, he's getting a little lunch in, but um, Ariel um, has a doctor's appointment tomorrow. And he has, no, you keep him there. We'll come to you. Um, And so Ariel's one of our foster babies. And he, um, so he has a placement with his sister, and um, we're really excited about that. But the only way he can be released into his placement is that he's completely healed. Um, so he was born with drugs in his system. His mother is a drug addict. And so when that happens, it causes a lot of scarring. Um, when the baby's born and begins to eat, it causes like acid reflux is the, the best way I can explain it to y'all. But so he has a lot of scarring in his esophagus and he needs all of that completely healed for him to go to his forever family. And so we're praying for that to happen. And he has his, his final checkup tomorrow to be sure he's ready to go. So we're going to just, there's too many of us to all go over there, but we're going to get a couple people just to touch him. We're going to pray for his healing right now this morning, that he be completely healed and um, gets to go to his forever family. And boy, are we going to miss him, but we are really excited about his forever family. They already love him and are connected with him. Father, we pray for Ariel right now. By the stripes of Jesus, he is healed, full, complete healing in his esophagus. Ariel, we speak to your esophagus right now to be healed. That 100% healthy tissue, that there's even, there's no sign of any problem whatsoever. Ariel, we call your spirit to attention and we bless you. We strengthen your spirit, young man. Lord, that you would would encounter the radical love of Jesus and you would follow him all the days of your life. And that you will call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. So we thank you for your healing, Father. Thank you for a good report in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, uh, say what? <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're going to start a series on the Song of Songs. I don't know how long it will last exactly, but. Um, you know, some of the things that the Lord spoke to me about this year to, to focus in on was one, I heard him say, sing. And, and so I was just, I was like, okay, Lord, well, what do you want me to sing? And I felt like he said, sing song of songs. And, uh, and so one of the other things the Lord spoke to me about was, is that I just felt like he, we're going to see more people saved this year as a corporate body than we ever have before. And so I, but Song of Songs is perhaps, at first glance, the least evangelistic book of the Bible. <laughs> so I was like, Lord, what, you know, what's the deal? And, and I just felt like he said, you can't get the, the cart before the horse. And so sometimes what we do is like, oh, I'm in a season of Song of Songs. And so I'm just going to be um, all about the God loving man. That, and that's right and true and good. But sometimes we're like, we start neglecting this. I'm not in the season of, of sharing my faith or whatever stuff that we start thinking of. You know what I'm saying? Has anybody ever been there? You ever done that? You're like, oh, I'm, I'm in an intimacy season. I don't have to share my faith this season. <laughs> that's, but that's what we think like. Or I'm in an evangelism season. I don't have to spend, you know, I'm not in this like sweet place with God. I'm like blowing and going and. Signs, wonders, miracles, or whatever. And it's, it doesn't, like, God's just like, that's just wrong thinking. Intimacy, the Song of Songs 
should just lead. If we're, if we're really encountering Jesus in the Song of Songs, we're going to love people, our neighbor, more. And I'm not a, I'm not a, I went to seminary. I'm not a theologian. I like stuff that works in real life. I can talk theology. I mean, not really. I mean, I, because I can talk theology, but in my back of my mind, I'm like, this is pointless. But anyway, I mean, now, let me, let me step back. Theology is not pointless. Theology is good because if you have bad theology, you're going to believe a lot of lies, all right? So that's, so what, what I'm saying is if you're arguing over, I remember I was in systematic theology one in seminary, and uh, we had some guys that's chomping at the bit to argue about Calvinism versus Arminianism. Are you chosen by God or do you choose God? I mean, they were just waiting. And I just remember I was like, God, and he said, just Travis, remember the greatest two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. For all the law is summed up in these two. So my systematic theology one class, I just I did my work and I just sat back and listened. Systematic theology two, sat back and listened. I have opinions, but it doesn't. But if those opinions are not leading to people getting saved and me having love encounters with Jesus. It's, it's uh, foolishness. And so theology has to work. Do you understand what I'm saying? All right. So Song of Songs, I'm going to give you, you know, an overview of what this is about if you're unfamiliar with it. So why are we studying the Song of Psalms? I just told you some words about that. One of the things about Song of Songs is it's, it's a progressive it shows the progressive phase, phases of, in a believer's life and their journey with the Lord. So it talks about seasons of life. You know, it's, you start off in chapter 1 where the bride is introduced to the, the love of the bridegroom. And it goes on from there about how our love matures as we walk and journey with the Lord, as we fall more in love with the bridegroom. Now, in Song of Song, we take it... The way we, we're going to be interpreting it for us as we go through this is an allegorical interpretation, which means it's, it's a story that represents something. So you have King Solomon, who's the bridegroom, and you have the bride, who's called the Shulamite maiden. All right? So as an individual, you can, whether you're um, a, a man or a, or a woman, you know, this is, girls have to be called sons of God. Guys have to be called the bride of Christ. You know, so it's like. It works out. And so, um, so guys, you got to be called the bride of Christ. You're, you're, you're the Shulamite maiden in this instance. But we're, as individual believers, we're this, this maiden that that's becomes lovesick and lovestruck with the bridegroom. King Solomon, is, his name means king of peace. And so Jesus came. The work of the cross was the ultimate act of violence against the devil and hell. And he slew... He, he basically took the keys, took authority back that man had given the devil in the garden. Adam and Eve gave the devil authority when they sinned. Jesus, when he paid for sin, took that authority back and gave it back to us as sons and daughters. And so, this is King, so Jesus, when he died on the cross and then he was resurrected, said he, as he ascended in Acts 1, he was seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, why is he seated? Why isn't he doing a jig? Why isn't he standing up? It's because he's at rest. He's accomplished his work. Now, in Ephesians 1.3, it says you're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. So what does that mean for you if you are seated with Christ? Are you working? Or are you resting? You're resting. So Jesus is, this. we interpret the bridegroom, his his perspective is from the right hand of the Father, as the King of Peace, as He's as a resting place. And we're in as we discover more of the love of the of Jesus, our Bridegroom King. We enter into more of His rest. All right? Does that make sense? And like I said, Song of Solomon is actually going to be a key for evangelism this year for us, as we as we discover how much God loves us. It's going to enable us to love people more. I can't love you. I, I can only love you to the degree that I love myself. Jesus said that. It's in the second commandment. Love your neighbor 
finish it? You don't love yourself very much, you're not going to love your neighbor very well. So we're going we're gonna to find out how, how, God, how Jesus feels about us, and it's going to spill over into other people. So the song reveals uh, the different seasons that we go through, and it can help us identify the issues that God is specifically dealing with us in our lives. And Solomon, like I said, he's a type and figure. I've said all this, man. I'm getting, doing good, getting ahead of myself. So this is, uh, this is pretty cool. When you're comparing Ecclesiastes and Song of Songs, so, so Solomon wrote Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, all right? Now, the Jewish fathers, rabbis, they, they would teach that Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Songs actually represent Solomon's temple that he built, all right? So Proverbs represents the actual outer court of Solomon's temple, and it's got a lot of practical wisdom that, that you, that's like you do this, you do these things, they're like actions, okay? Hey, he who waters himself will also be watered. So, hey, you need to go, like, bless somebody, and you will be blessed, okay? Hey, don't gossip. That's something, yeah, you, all right, let's not gossip. You, don't, you understand what I'm saying? Ecclesiastes represents the inner court of Solomon's temple, and we're going to get into the differences between Ecclesiastes and Song of Songs, because this is... Why am I going into this? Because I really think it's going to help us understand Song of Songs better. And then Song of Songs represents the Holy of Holies in Solomon's temple. All right? Now, if you, if you want to, like, study this on your own throughout the week, I recommend Mike Bickle's got a great teaching on the Song of Solomon. It's like 24 sessions. Watchman Nee has a book on Song of Songs. And then also a lady named uh, Madame Guyon from 1600s, France was put in prison because she was too intimate with the Lord, was basically what it boiled down to. She's like, you can't have that kind of relationship with God. You can't, like, hear from him and have visions and be, and be a woman. And her interpretation of Song of Songs actually was one of the things that, that got her in trouble. So um, but she's got a good, good book on that. So you can, you can get those and study more outside of Sundays if you want. So Ecclesiastes is an exposition of the vanity of vanities. The Song of Solomon is titled the Song of Songs. So Ecclesiastes explores all the things that are really foolish and meaningless and don't carry any eternal weight. <laughs> and Song of Songs talks about the greatest love song ever written that's, that echoes for eternity, that we'll, that we'll be singing. We're going to be singing because when Jesus comes back, he's coming for a bride. It says... There's going to be a bridal uh, banquet feast. So this is a song that we're going to sing for all of eternity, for those who know Jesus. So it's like, we want, we want heaven on earth, and let's get familiar with this song. Ecclesiastes speaks of life of wandering. The song speaks of rest from wandering. Okay? A Solomon Ecclesiastes is like, I explored this. I explored much wine and drink. I explored women. I had a harem. I explored, you know, and, and giving myself every pleasure under the sun, and it was vanity of vanities. Ecclesiastes tells us that one cannot obtain satisfaction through knowledge alone. The song tells us that man can only reach satisfaction through the love of Jesus. In Ecclesiastes, we find that the wrong things are being sought in the wrong ways of seeking them, are resulting, or are wrong resulting in the conviction that all things under the sun is vanity of vanities. And the song shows that pursuing Jesus is the right thing done in the right way through humil humility, ob obedience, and the impartation of God's love. Ecclesiastes proclaims that life without obedience to God is vanity. This is Ecclesiastes 12, 13. The conclusion when all this has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments. Because this applies to every person. This applies to every person. What is pleasing to man may ultimately have no value if it's not pleasing to God as well. And so this is, we have a really short life, guys. Really short life. 80, I mean, let's, let's, we'll be generous, 80 to 100 years lifespan. 120 tops. 
in the, in the spectrum of eternity. And so we have a really short life. And so God is, he, over and over in the Bible, he says, you're not, you are an alien in this land. I just read out of 1 John 3, it says, the world does not know us because we're not of the world. We went on the streets with uh, Chris Overstreet Friday night after the conference. And one of the things that I was really encouraged in was just the fact that Chris is not concerned one ounce about being cool. We would walk by people. He said, hey, man, Jesus loves you. And they're like, all right. He's like, no, he really loves you. They're not taken off by like, he doesn't care one bit about the awkwardness the reaction of the person, it has no sway in what he thinks. Now, how many of y'all been taken out by, you try, you, maybe you've tried to share and that they've done something like, oh, okay, or the, you feel them getting uncomfortable and you're like, oh, I'm going to back out of this. I mean, raise your hand if you've done that. Everybody has. Chris, Chris has done that, okay? Chris Overstreet, you know, Mr. Evangelism. So it's like he said he's done that. And that's part of the journey, but one of the things that Chris did is he didn't give up. And he says, when you obey, you grow. That's the a, that's a principle of the Bible. And so one of the things is that I've had many seasons where I've had bo great boldness, and then I've waned. Great boldness, waned. I want the steady boldness. Anybody with me? But a lot of that has been tied up in how I feel like I'm doing or even how I'm feeling. And God's just calling us up higher. There's a higher place to live than that. And it's in the Holy Spirit who's always got strength. And God gives grace to obey. And, there's, and there, is a pain, there, is a, there is a sacrifice in the obedience. You know, it says Jesus learned, th learned um, obedience through the things that he suffered. What does that mean? I thought Jesus was perfect. I mean, when I first read that, I was like, Jesus is perfect. What do you mean he learned obedience? Has anybody ever wondered that? Am I the only one? Thank you, Jeremy. No, no but it's, it's like, how did Jesus learn obedience to the things he suffered? Because the obedience produced suffering. All right? So what, sometimes the obeying God is having somebody look at you like, no, dude, I'm good. You can keep your Jesus. And they walk off. But you obeyed God. What is pleasing to God? Faith. So what pleased God in that instance was it, was God disappointed that that man didn't turn to him? I mean, he was, but was he disappointed in you? No, he's, he's looked at, I mean, I remember, I'll tell you this story. Chris told a similar story last night, and I, it reminded me of this when I was living in Fort Worth. I was at the I was at the mail mail office post office same thing I guess and uh, a uh, older black gentleman had a cane and he had a bad bad limp and I walked by him and I said go pray for him and I was like all right and so I went and prayed for him and he was real gracious you know receiving the prayer and I said try to you know can you walk without your cane and He's like, no, you know, the pain's still there. I prayed for him a second time. You know, nothing really changed. And he said, I appreciate it, young fella. He's all, and, um, you know, I, I let him be and went back to my car. And I just was like, Jesus! Why didn't he get healed? I stepped out. That was, that was hard for me. I want you to know that. <laughs> and you didn't heal him. And all, the Lord answered me with one word. He went, victory. He said, you, you prayed for him. You prayed for him. That was what the victory was. You prayed for him, Travis. God doesn't ask you to be perfect. He doesn't ask you to have all the answers. He doesn't ask you to do anything other than have a little bit of courage. Me and Bob Johnson were talking about this movie called We, we Bought a Zoo. I almost said we found a zoo. <laughs> what, 
what would that movie be like? Hey, we found a zoo. Look at this. Uh, but <laughs> we bought a zoo. Anybody seen that movie? You remember when Matt Damon's talking to his son and his son's get having some, you know, he's liking this girl. And, and Matt Damon says, son, all, sometimes all it takes is six seconds of ridiculous courage. Because once you get in there, you're in there, man. Once you say, hey, dude, do you know what it means to be born again? You're in there. <laughs> you're engaged. <laughs> and, the, you know, it's a, that's what, that's, sometimes that's all it takes. Maybe it's a friend that, you, that you've had a long relationship with, and you don't want to, you don't want to break that, you know, you don't want to hamper the relationship. You're like, God, what is the question I ask him? He's like, hey, what's, maybe it's just, what do you think about Jesus? Who's, who's Jesus to you? I asked a guy Friday night that, who was an atheist Indian guy. He didn't want to answer me. I said, who's Jesus to you? He's like, no, I'm, I, know who, I know things about Jesus, but I don't really want to talk about it. I said, well, tell me. I said, I'm not trying to make you believe or anything. I just want to know which, who's Jesus to you. No, I'm, I'm okay. I said, well, I said, well, he said, I'm an atheist. And I said, that's good because God always shows up when I talk to an atheist. <laughs> and I said, let me pray for you. and You're going to feel God. No, I'm good. I'm good. All right, man. God bless you. Jesus loves you. You know, one of the things you think, you think about guys like Chris Overstreet and, and Todd White, you think everybody they, go, they, they, can, they come into contact with gets saved because that's what's on the videos. But they, many times, I saw Chris on Friday night, people didn't want him to pray for him. But he's just like, who's next? And it was, it was done with joy. I want us... My goal is for us, to, the burden of, oh, I've, got to, I've got to evangelize. Oh, I just want it to be joyful, guys. When people see us skipping in the streets like calves, released from the stalls, like, I've got good news, baby. They're going to want it. They're, they're going to want it. If you, I mean, you, if you look at somebody, Jesus loves you. I'm like, they may give you one of those, but they're not going to forget that. I was at the, at the gym the other day, and I, the girl, she's got tattoos all over her legs. And it was one of those, it was a, I had given her a word over Thanksgiving. I said, God wants, he wants you to ask him for a favor over Thanksgiving. He's going to answer it. You know, she's very shy and timid, but she's, I, when I see her at the gym, I, I just feel God's heart for her. And so she had a tattoo of a fox with a top hat on. I mean, I mean, there's all, I mean, tattoos are amazing. You're just like, how did you even think of that? That's, but that's, that's awesome. You know, I, I like it. And so I said, Hey, I, I love that tattoo. I was like, I, I do tattoo interpretations. Can I, can I interpret your tattoo? And she's like, sure. And, <laughs> and so I, I said, I just, I feel like what that represents. I said, you, I said, you, you, you've had to be independent for most of your life. And you've had to, you've had to figure out how to survive. I said, and you've done it in an honorable way, which the top hat to me represented like class and dignity. The fox was like an independent, you know, fox, they're like trying to, to me a fox represents, you're trying to survive, like you're trying to, you're looking out for yourself. And I said, you know, I said, I said, you know, Jesus sees that. He loves that about you. I said, he just wants you to know that like you're his daughter, like he created you and he loves you. Now, for me, I call people who don't know Jesus sons and daughters of God because they're created by him. They may not want to be coming home. They may not be in the house of God, so to speak. 
But it's just like the prodigal son where the father is waiting for them to come home. They're lost. But they've got a home. They just don't know there's a father that loves them. So, we'll go back. So, it went back to Ecclesiastes and Song of Songs. When Ecclesiastes is understood, it awakens us to the fervency that begins our journey in Song of Songs. Because Solomon's at this frustration point. He's like, I've tried everything the world has to offer, and it's, it's meaningless. So four focuses of Song of Song. It emphasizes the emotional side of Jesus' passion. I used to see God as uh, very stoic, unemotional. But he was very strong in power. He was, he was like a very authoritarian, which he, he is authoritarian, but not in the negative sense. He's very strong, but he uses his strength to help us, not to dominate us. Jesus, anything J Jesus asks you to do, he's already done. He's a servant. He asks you to humble yourself. Why? Because he humbled himself on the cross. Just like Philippians 2 says. He asks you to serve because he, he's the, he's came to serve man. And so I, I, we used to go to 722, which uh, North Point Church had back in the day. Louis Giglio led it. And that was uh, when we will not be silent anymore. Anybody remember that song? You know, it was, just, it was that era. Chris Tomlin was just getting big. Yeah. This is a sound we make or noise we make, all that kind of stuff. And. So all these upbeat songs I could get into, and then one of the girls got on the piano and just like, your fragrance, man to man. And I literally thought, I was like, what is this crap? <laughs> this is, God's not fluffy. He's not a teddy bear. He's strong. And he's powerful. I, I was literally getting repulsed. And then I had a thought. I was like, I have an issue. I've got issues. I can't connect with this song about Jesus. That's based on Bible words. And so, but it was the way I saw God. And um, I had powerful encounters with God's power up to that point. And then, God started taking me on a, a healing journey, but I started having encounters with the love of God to where I, had, I got baptized, literally baptized in the love of the Father in 2004 where I, f I felt it come in from my head and I felt it cover me and I wailed as I just realized how much Father God loves me. Not just Jesus. Because sometimes we can relate to Jesus. He's my friend. He's like my savior. But father, we have a hard time with. And so it's, it can be bitterness towards parents. It can be some other things. But that's another sermon. So why did Jesus, along with the Father and Holy Spirit, create us in Genesis 1? Why was that a good idea to them? It's because they have, they, they have passions, longings, emotions about you. Why did Jesus go to the cross for you? Was it based off of, I mean, what was that based off of? It was based off his love for you. It was based off his love for his father. It's based off a of passion. That's why it's called the passion of the Christ when he go, went to the cross. So the revelation of Jesus' passion and affection and, and enjoyment of his people is one of the focuses. The revelation of the beauty of Jesus, especially as the bridegroom king. The revelation of the beauty of the individual believer to Jesus, even in our weakness. If you want to know what you look like to God, study this book. If you want to know how God sees you, study the Song of Songs. And you're going to realize, you see me this way? I'm dark yet lovely to you? What does that mean? It means even in my sin, even in my mess, I'm lovely to you? The principles needed to grow in love and mature partnership are found in this, in this book. So it gives you, gives you keys to how to grow in intimacy 
with Jesus. So in verses 1 through 2 in chapter 1 of Song of Songs, it says, The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's, she, meaning the bride, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. So this is the words of initial love. So this initial, initial experience of God's love is, is typically smooth and free from trouble. I remember when I first surrendered to the Lord. It was the summer of 2000, teaching school at Valdosta State College. Had won awards in the PE department for different things. Had a kind of a prestigious job teaching at the Governor's Honors Program that summer in Valdosta State. And I was miserable. Everything on the outside looked like it was going really well. I was headed towards, I could have gone to uh, San Diego State graduate school for free. I had a professor set that up for me. You know, San Diego is beautiful. I, I was, but God had worked on me so much to where the point where I was just like, I am tired of running. I'm so tired of running. God doesn't grow tired. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't, he's just full of joy and energy. He's just doing the, when are you going to come around? And, you know, he's just doesn't get tired, does not get tired. And so I remember that first month, I just was like on a cloud. Woo! Jesus! I'm Leonardo on the Titanic. And then some warfare came. I walked into my room one night, and I felt something brush my face in the that was invisible, and I immediately got struck with fear. And I felt like there, there was a demon sitting at the, bot, at the foot of my bed for a week. I didn't know anything about my authority. I didn't know anything about warfare. Up to that point, the, only, the, the most familiar scripture to me was the Lord's Prayer in Psalm 23, and I'd memorize Psalm 23. This is the grace of God. So every night I would pray Psalm, myself to sleep with Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. As I was paralyzed in fear in my bed. I had, anytime I would close my eyes, this, I hope this isn't too much information for you, but I'm telling, this is the honest truth, because some of you maybe actually have battled with this. Anytime I would close my eyes to pray, I would be flooded with images of Jesus in pornographic situations. And I, would, and I read in Psalm 3, it says, Arise, O God, and defend me and break the teeth of the wicked. I prayed that every night for a month. Anytime I could think, I was like, break the teeth of the wicked. Because I knew that was the devil. I knew that was it. He was trying to speak to me. And when you don't have any teeth, you can't talk. And I said, break his teeth. Because I've always, this is just, I wanted to, I'm a fighter. I have a warrior spirit. You have a warrior spirit because you have the warrior in you. You've got Jesus in you. And you don't have to put up with that mess. You understand me? If he's, bound, if he's attacking your thoughts like that, that's illegal. He's squatting on God's property. And you tell it to get, and you battle, and you fight, and you pray the word of God. I'm telling you, I had no idea about warfare. I, didn't, I, you know, I wasn't binding, casting demons out. I was praying the word of God, and that's all it did. The devil bowed. So the first offering of our hearts to God and the revelation of this love is not dependable until it's undergone the fire of testing for strengthening. Now, Jessica and I, so, I mean, our love must be proved to make it reality, so I'm going to prove this. So the first time I saw Jessica, I was in the back of Briarwood Baptist Church, and uh, I had just come back from Valdosta State College where I surrendered to the Lord. Now, for those, there's a lot of new people in here and haven't heard my testimony. I want to tell you real quick what happened that summer. 99, I was, how many of y'all have lived at Polo Club off College Station? <laughs> All right, apartment number 34. 
How can I remember that? It was Herschel Walker's number. That's the only reason. And so, anyways, <laughs> me and my roommates were like, we got Herschel's number, man. That's awesome. And so, and it, we, uh, I was in a sexually immoral relationship with him. I was having sex with my girlfriend at the time. I knew it was wrong. She actually gave me a Bill Bright devotional. It was just like God's just after me, you know. Like it's, I, uh, so I was reading Bill Bright's like fire. I mean, he, you know, Campus Crusade for Christ. But that dude is straight up filled with the Holy Spirit, man. So his devotional had it was it was fire. And uh, I was reading in it, and I just like God. I know you don't want me to do this. But if you don't want me to do this so bad, why don't you help me? Because I would try over and over. I would even tell my girlfriends, I don't want to have sex. And they're like, oh, that's so sweet. I mean, they, thought that, they really thought it was noble. But, it, but then you make a bad decision. Hey, let's watch a movie under the covers. That's a bad idea, guys. <laughs> Billy Graham can't resist that. <laughs> I'm telling you. What, is, what does Paul say about sexual immorality? Does he say, hey, like, hang out with it and talk to it, have a conversation with it? No, he's saying, flee! <laughs> Get out of there. Because you ain't strong enough. You need to run. That's the only thing he tells you to run from. <laughs> and so when you do that, it's, I don't care. Like I said, if you're Billy Graham, you, you're going to fall. Because it's just a bad idea. I had, we call it, Jessica and I sometimes will say, yeah, I just put my bad idea jeans on that day and <laughs> did that. You know? so, um, so I told the Lord, I was like, if you don't want me to do this so bad, why don't you, why don't you help me? A couple of days later, I never didn't know about hearing the voice of God or anything like that. I was walking down my stairs, and unquestionably, so clear, the Lord said, if you want any freedom, you've got to give me all of you. And in like a nanosecond, I knew what it meant to be a Christian. It was like a lightning strike. <clears throat> Surrender. That's what he's calling me to. Took me two years. <laughs> I was fighting, man. I told you I was a fighter. And so fast forward to Valdosta State College. I surrender. And the day I surrendered, there's no more porn. There's no more sex. No more sexual immorality from that day on. I'd even forgotten that God had promised me that. But he's faithful. He remembers his word. And so I, I go back up to, to Watkinsville. Jessica's a youth intern. And she makes an announcement. And she's like, youth will be meeting tonight at 6 o'clock. Be there. And so... And she, and she was like... And I was sitting in the back row because that was where I normally sat my whole life, you know, playing tic-tac-toe. And so, like, <laughs> and hangman. I mean, that was before we had phones and stuff, you know. So, anyways, and I remember sitting back there. I was like, ah, oh, note taken. And so uh, <laughs> I told, I called the youth pastor up and who, who had known me since I was eighth grade, even though I didn't go to youth group. He was just an awesome guy who was, just loved me where I was at, you know. I said, hey, Mike, man, I surrendered my life to Jesus this summer. I'm, I just want to start serving in the church some way. And uh, I was like, would you mind if I just helped out with the youth? Like, you, I, <laughs> now, in all honesty, I had plans to do this, but then she appeared, and then he was like, yeah, Travis, that'd be awesome, man. Great. We'd love to have you. And I said, by the way, do you have that Jessica girl's number? He went, yeah, man, you really want to help the youth, don't you? And um, <laughs> so I called up Jessica, and then we started, our, we started dating and broke up and then went from being friends to getting married. That's a whole other testimony and story. But, uh, but the, the point is, when I first saw Jessica, I was like, ooh, Dream weaver. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, you're just, 
my even my brother, I, I, I rode with him in the car the other day, and he, I mean that later that day when I saw Jessica for the first time, and he said, "So you met any nice girls lately?" And which was unusual for my brother to ask me that. He was never asked if I met nice girls. <laughs> He's like, "You met any girls?" You know, and, but I was like, "Man, I think I met a girl who's, you know, she's the kind of woman I'd want to marry." And here we are. We're married. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's totally easy, guys. It was so easy. So, the, so that was initial love. And then guess what came? Fire. To test the love. You go into marriage. You go into a relationship. Even after a few weeks, the fire might start. You're in relationships with roommates. You call for the fire, you get the fire. That same fire is the passion, is this is the fire that gives you passion for Jesus, though. I you know, we were part of a church in Fort Worth where it's just like fire, fire. But sometimes people don't know. They're they're just like they want to encounter God's presence in a powerful way. That's what they're thinking. But when you're really getting fire, you're getting the purification. And the passion. You're getting both. That's what the fire does. It's not two different fires. It's the same fire. It's, it's Jesus. But your love is going to be put to the test. Because it needs to be strengthened. A weld, a weld is stronger than a piece of metal. Because it's been put under fire. That's just the way God works. So if you have testing in your love life with Jesus, it's to strengthen you. If you have testing in your relationships, it's to strengthen those relationships. So the cry to be kissed with the kisses of his mouth is the cry to encounter Jesus as the word of God. So we're not talking, what I'm not saying is we're, we're not actually trying to kiss Jesus on the mouth. We're not having visions of kissing Jesus on the mouth. Jesus is the word of God. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3 says, And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna. Now, Jesus let you be humbled and hunger. He let the, has, I feel like I'm currently in one of those seasons where I'm like, God, I need more. He does that. He, hung, he fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did, fathers, nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Jesus quoted this in his wilderness temptation. As the, Jesus, uh, he did, uh, little did I know I was doing Jesus warfare when I was battling the demons and stuff and the, and the, the pictures in my mind when I would pray. And so... Um, but the kisses with the kisses of his mouth is the words that come forth from Jesus' mouth. It's his word. It's the Bible. He's got a love letter right here. And there's, there's mysteries and there's treasures hidden in here. And it's just like as we're praying this morning, there's, there's things that God can, will yell at you. Hey, come over here. He's getting, he wants to get you close. He's like, come here, over here. You start making steps towards him. Now, some of Jessica and I's best conversations are, is pillow talk. It's a, it's a place of, of closeness. And there's things that God reserves for intimacy where you can only hear the whisper. He's got, he may be whispering something, but if, if you're not drawing near, you can't hear the, the secret things. And even in Psalm 25, it says the secret intimate counsel is for those who fear the Lord. The secret intimate counsel is for those who fear the Lord. And so he wants to draw you near to him. The kiss of the mouth speaks of that holy married love. It speaks of intimacy. One word from God will give you vision. It will empower you. It will sustain you. Now, I had 
a guy early in my Christian life, he said, Travis, you're stalwart. It was one word. And I've carried that. It's given me strength over and over and over. It was a one word from the Lord. And that's all you need. And it can sustain you for the rest of your It can help you remember who you are throughout the rest of your life. So God is calling us back to his word, the standard, which, is, which means banner or flag of love, to combat the cunning, deceitful schemes, craftiness, and false doctrines of man. If you abide in my word and you are truly my disciples, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. God's love is better than wine. So wine in this instance refers to the pleasures of the world, both good and bad. There's legitimate pleasures, like going to go see Rogue One. (laughs) And illegitimate pleasures, like sexual immorality and getting drunk and all this kind of stuff. Growing in the revelation of God's love for us and having our hearts enlarged to love him more is the ultimate pleasure and privilege in life. This is truly heaven on earth because this is what we will be doing for all eternity in heaven. So sin has immediate pleasure. That's why it's attractive. With long-term destruction. It's like just sowing bad seed, man. You sow, imagine you have like, you got thorn seeds. You throw them in, the, you, you cast them and, and sow them. And you're like, man, the ground still looks pretty good right now after, after a few weeks. And then uh, you start seeing the thorns come up. Now, how many of you ever tried to get rid of briars? Woo! You pull those things up by the root, and it's like, where'd you, I thought I pulled you up by the root, you know. But the only thing that can lay the axe to the root of sin is Jesus. Otherwise, it's just going to keep popping up. You don't have power over thorns and thistles. Jesus does. So intimacy with God doesn't always have immediate pleasure, but it has long-term blessings. This is the good seed. You cast it. Now, briars and weeds, when springtime comes, my yard looks like an onion field. Because that's the weeds spring up first. It's immediate. But the good grass actually stays and looks pretty is much slower. And it can get choked out by the weeds. Now, I want to give you, so like I said, I want you to actually experience this. We don't just want to talk about Song of Songs. We don't want to talk about this relationship with Jesus. We actually want to experience it. And so how do we do that? This, well, one way is that you pray, read the scriptures. If you're like me, who's an internal processor, you know, maybe you need to journal to help get your thoughts out. Maybe you need to pray, read. Like, I, I love just praying the Bible because it gives me something to pray. You know, I don't, you know, I've got my buddy Steve Smith. Like, Steve can pray, like, for 10 minutes at the drop of a hat. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just like, how do you, where are you getting these words from, man? So I like usually just praying something out of the Bible because I need help. Anybody else need help? Everybody say amen. <laughs> so you start with thanking God for a particular truth. So, for example, in uh, chapter 4, verse 9, it says, Thank you, Jesus, that I ravish your heart. It's all right, Stuart. We only do that like five times every Sunday. It's all right. Thank you, Jesus. So because in, in, in that verse, the bridegroom, Jesus is saying, you have ravished my heart, my sister, my bride. And so we say, thank you, Jesus, that I ravish your heart. Say that right now. Thank you, Jesus, that I we say, thank you, Jesus, that I'm dark yet lovely to you. Say that. Thank you, Lord, that you esteem my love as better than wine, the pleasures of this world. Say that. Thank you, Lord, that you esteem my love as better than wine, the pleasures of this world. So, you know, Jesus also forsook the pleasures of this world, too, because the devil offered it to him. But he said, no, their love's better. Did you know that? Devil 
tempted him, he said, I'll give you all these kingdoms. I'll give you all this, the world. I will give you the world. And Jesus said, no, the love's better than that. Besides, I'm going to have the world anyways. <laughs> but do it God's way. He's going to have the world, but done it, doing it the Father's way. Second, ask for wisdom, revelation, and understanding of the truth as we seek to believe more. I believe, Lord. Help my unbelief. This has been a steady prayer of mine since I surrendered, since 2000. Lord, I, I've been praying. I was like, Lord, I want a believing heart. I want, I want a full heart of belief. Because there's still some areas in my life that I'm having to, I'm, I've got unbelief in, and I want those things exterminated. All right? Jesus, so we can, those things that we just prayed or we declared, say, Jesus, show me more about how I've ravished your heart. Jesus, show me more about the truth that my love is better than wine to you. How is it better than wine to you? Ask Jesus questions. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. He loves questions. Ask God for his grace and ability to obey a particular truth. Jesus, empower me to obey you as I arise from the comfort zone to meet you in costly obedience. Jesus, empower me to live with a locked heart garden that resists compromise for you. Now, one of the things that's going gonna, gonna to happen is you're going to pray these things, and you may not feel anything immediately. But I'll offer this analogy to you. When you're creating a new path in the woods, is there a clear path the first time you walk down it? You're creating a new path in the woods. So you got to walk, you got to, boom, thank you. You ravished my heart. You've ravished my heart. You're just taking a machete. Creating a path where that's your default. Renewing your mind to the truth. When you renew your mind, guess what happens? You're transformed. That's what Romans 12:2 says. So you are creating a path in the woods. The woods can be confusing, right? It can all look the same. But Jesus is creating a path about how much he loves you. And it's going to be a default for you. Um, before we... Has anybody had this word about... I heard the word hypochondriac, and I don't necessarily think there's somebody here that's a hypochondriac. I think that somebody's been struggling with chronic illness. Like, you have a cold, and then you have some other sickness, and then you get over that, and then it's some other. It's like you just are constantly battling sickness. Is there anybody like that here? Anybody? Yes. Hey, darling, what's your name? Caitlin. Thanks for your courage. You mind if we pray for you? All right, will you stand up? Yes, Lord. Father, we pray for Caitlin right now. And we just declare this cycle of sickness broken by the authority of Jesus Christ. I speak to any spirit of infirmity right now. I break your hold off of her. In Jesus' name, I command you to leave right now by the authority of Jesus Christ. Lord, I speak life and wellness into Caitlin's body right now. Lord, that, there's gonna, that she's going to walk in divine health. Lord, that the cycle is broken, Father. Any familiar spirits, Father, from the family, where this has been in the family line, Lord, we break the power of that familiar spirit right now. In Jesus' name, we break every curse. In Jesus' name, related to this. Father, we declare a new mind, a new expectation, and a new hope. We bless you. I command your, your spirit to be strong through the Holy Spirit right now. Holy Spirit, just infuse her with life and health. In the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord, thank you for your love. You're just pouring your love out on her right now, Father. So letting her know that you see her, Father. She's your daughter. You see her. You love her. You call her by name. Caitlin, my beloved one. You are my beloved. And I just feel like the Lord's saying, 
what's yours is his and what his is, is yours. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Oh, let's stand up, guys. You have anything? Okay. So if we have our ministry team come up, and if there is a couple of... Stuart and Casey, if y'all could help us with that as well. Um, so one of the things that we believe here is that nothing is impossible with God. And so whether you, like we pray for sickness, we pray for other things. If you need somebody to agree with you in prayer, if you're like, hey, I want, I would love somebody to prophesy over me. And what, if you're new to the prophetic, very simply, the prophetic is you hearing the Lord for somebody else and just repeating what he said. You get, you get God's heart for somebody that's words that, that build up, that encourage, that strengthen, and you share those words, okay? It's the gift of prophecy. It doesn't mean you're a prophet. It just means you're operating in the gift of prophecy as a child of God that, that's the right for everybody who knows Jesus. If you do not know Jesus, I want to introduce you to him. I want you to come to me and say, I want to know Jesus. I don't know if I've ever met him before. I would love to introduce you to him, and he's going to come, and he's going to radically change your life. If you feel like you're on the fence, or you're like, you know what, Travis, your polo club days remind me of my life right now. I want to pray for you. I want to get you off the fence and in the ball game, on the field of battle where the spoils are. That's where the reward is. We got a short life. So we're going to worship in one more song. If you desire any of these things, you can come up to the ministry team. If you want to, if you want to know Jesus, come to me. If you want to, if you want to set aside compromise out of your life and, and surrender 100%, I want to pray with you. Okay. So let's worship one more time. If you also could give to the.